Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It's an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick in the 2010 NBA draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The volume. All right, welcome to Hoops Tonight here at The Volume. Happy Saturday. One last time, everybody. Round two coverage of the NBA playoffs here at Hoops Tonight is brought to you by Chase Freedom Unlimited. How do you cash back? Well, feels like I just watched a complete repeat mirror image of game two of this series. The Warriors come out, dominate early, just like the Lakers did early in game two, and then the Avalanche comes from the more desperate team. Bunch of things I want to dive in here, uh, specifically surrounding the way that Anthony Davis slowed down that Warriors offense, and just look at some adjustments that I expect moving forward in the series. You guys know the drill. Before we get started, subscribe to the Volumes YouTube channel so you don't miss any more of our videos. Follow me on Twitter at underscore JasonLT so you guys don't miss any show announcements. And if for whatever reason you guys miss one of these shows and you can't get back over to YouTube to finish, don't forget you can find them wherever you get your podcasts under hoops tonight. All right, let's talk some basketball. So, series continues to follow a familiar trend. Um, the Lakers actually won a little bit more convincingly than I thought they would, just like the Warriors won a little bit more convincingly than I thought they would in game two. Um, you can tell that both teams have a specific way that they can win the series, right? So for the Lakers on the defensive end, it's Anthony Davis just being an absolute superhero. And we're going to dive into that concept and how he did that tonight here in just a minute on the offensive end. It's unbelievably important for them to play with downhill force. And that mainly comes down to D'Angelo Russell, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and a little bit of Austin Reeves foul grifting. And if the four of them can get downhill and get to the spots that they like to get aggressively towards the basket, they're going to get to the foul line. Why? Because the Lakers are great at drawing fouls and the Warriors are a team that has consistently throughout the series fouled too much. And we're going to talk about, I say throughout the series, throughout the season, they have fouled too much. We're going to talk a little bit about officiating here in a few minutes. I don't want to hit on that right now, but let's focus on just how they're winning, right? So the Lakers, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Dennis Schroeder playing with downhill force getting to the foul line a lot, dominating the points in the paint battle, and then Anthony Davis just being an absolute superhero on the offensive end of the floor. How are the Warriors going to win this series? 
Very simple. Steph Curry, best player in the world, consistently warping the Lakers' defense, spacing them out with a ton of shooting, taking advantage of their lack of foot speed, their guards being somewhat limited defensively, and their struggles in transition. And so you can see them defensively when they pack the paint and they bait the Lakers into their worst tendencies, which is to settle for jump shots and lean too heavily on their guards, they push the ball out in transition and they either get easy buckets in transition or they space you out and Steph draws multiple defenders and then they pick you apart with all their offensive skills. So in the games that the Warriors win, that's what that's going to look like. In the game that the Lakers win, that's what that's going to look like. And it's a tug of war on both sides over the course of the rest of this series. And again, like... If I, I talked about before the series, if you guys remember when I was with Colin Coward, I, I simply said, like, if LeBron James and Anthony Davis consistently play great, they're going to win the series. Anthony Davis was incredible in game one, and I thought LeBron was good. They won, and Steph was only okay. Game two, LeBron and AD were, LeBron was pretty good, but not great. Anthony Davis was atrocious. Steph Curry was incredible. The Warriors win. Move into game three, LeBron actually had a really nice end of the third quarter run there that I thought was monumentally important, and then Anthony Davis completely dominated the game on the defensive end of the floor. Steph Curry, good, not great. I think he had 23 points on 21 shots, which is relatively similar to what he did in game one on a points-per-shot type of basis. So as you can see, this tug-of-war between the superstars in this sheer force of will, it's going to look different. Like with Steph, it's shot-making and all the things he does to warp the defense. With Anthony Davis, it's everything he does defensively. And LeBron James just has a Swiss Army knife trying to find ways to impact the game. Those two sides are pulling, and one side is going to eventually let go of the rope, and that's going to be the team that ends up losing the series. And I'm really curious to see how that goes. Game four in particular, I think, just like I said after game two, is the game that this, this, this series is entirely going to come down to. I figured, I predicted the Lakers would win convincingly tonight. Game four, um, it's going to be a totally different effort from Golden State. You're going to see a little bit more desperation from Golden State, a little bit less desperation from the Lakers. It's going to be a really close game, in my opinion. And it's going to come down to that exact same tug of war I'm talking about. Can Steph outplay LeBron and AD in the Crypto.com arena. All right, let's get into some of the, the nitty-gritty of how this actually went down. So the adjustment that Darvin Ham made to start this game, which is something that I really didn't expect, and ended up not playing as big of a role in the game just simply because of the fact that Draymond Green got into foul trouble and ended up spending a lot of the game on the bench. But Darvin Ham did something that I didn't necessarily agree with. He put Jared Vanderbilt on Draymond Green and Austin Reeves onto Steph Curry, D'Angelo Russell, over onto Clay Thompson. Now the idea there is... We are only scared of Draymond Green in the short roll. We're not scared of Jamichael Green in the short roll. We're not scared of Kevon Looney in the short roll, right? So we put Jared Vanderbilt on Draymond Green. He can just switch the Steph, uh, the Steph Draymond pick and roll. Now Austin Reeves is on on Draymond. That can be a, a little bit of a size of, uh, mismatch, but Draymond's not a guy that's going to beat you in a switch, right? So now Jared Vanderbilt is back on Steph Curry, and we're kind of where we were before uh, before this game, right? So that was the big adjustment that they made there. And then it allowed Anthony Davis to be more aggressive in his hedges on the other players that he was guarding simply because of the fact that Draymond Green is just such a better role man. And I'm really curious to see how that specific adjustment plays out in game four because we didn't really get to see much of an example of how it would work tonight simply because of the foul trouble to Draymond Green. So in game four, I wouldn't be surprised if Darvin Ham went with a similar type of setup and we'll get to learn a little bit more about that coverage and whether or not it works. But everything, you know, there are, we talk so much about offensive superpowers, right? Like, Steph Curry in game two, late in the game, 
comes off of like a dribble handoff on the right wing and jumps up and has like two dudes run up underneath him and he splays his legs out and he falls over and he makes the shot and it's like you played perfect defense and you just lose because he's unbelievable and he can make all these ridiculous shots, right? Like that's what Steph Curry does. That's a superpower that overpowers anything that the defense is capable of. And we've seen this throughout NBA history. We focus so much on the ability of offensive superstars to transcend everything we understand about defense and what works, right? Well, Anthony Davis has a similar impact on the game from the defensive end of the floor, right? I talked a lot about, in the last show, about how dangerous it is to hedge or to come way out above the level of the screen. And again, you can call it whatever you want. Sometimes you, it's like a soft trap. It's like a hedge. It's 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 sort of it depends on it's kind of like a blitz too. If AD gets really aggressive out on stuff, it I'm not really interested in the semantics. To me, it's the yo-yo of how high Anthony Davis comes up to the level of the screen. And what I was talking about was. Like, you can't do that against Steph and Draymond because Draymond Green's just going to kill you in the short roll. But, like, the reality is, is Anthony Davis is such a freak of nature defensively that he just put in a lot more effort into being active with his hands when he came up high that suddenly it worked. And that's what's crazy because I genuinely believe that's the one coverage you should never use against the Warriors that bring your big way out above the level of the screen because that's what gives up all those pocket passes where Golden State is at their best. I think I usually think you're better off in drop coverage asking your guards to chase over the top or switching, right? But Anthony Davis is so unbelievably good, by far the best defensive player in the league, in my opinion, when he is right, that he is uniquely capable of making a super dangerous coverage function because of how good he is with his hands, how high his IQ is, how good his anticipation is, and how he can bother those pocket passes. The Lakers forced a ton of turnovers and got out in transition all game long, and it was because Anthony Davis just did a better job. Like, we talk a lot about this on the show. Like, you can focus on a schematic, you can focus on an adjustment, but nine times out of ten, any specific strategy can work as long as somebody does well enough. A drop coverage can work as long as your guards chase over the top really well and your big man can stay behind the roll man and, and, and mess everything up, right? A switch can work as long as your guys can defend on the perimeter and you're a good help and recover team on the back line. And even a hedge against Steph Curry can work as long as you've got Anthony freaking Davis who's so incredibly gifted with his hands to cause problems at the level of the screen. You know, we talk a lot about um, you guys have heard, those of you who listen to the show for a while, you've heard me talk about how if, if you double team the post or if you blitz a pick and roll by using active hands, you force the pass to be much more difficult. It usually has to be looping or it gets tipped or something along those lines. And that little delay will buy you time for your defense to rotate on the back line. Whereas if it's a clean pocket pass through the gap and it hits the roll man in stride, now your defense is completely screwed because that roll man is going full steam towards the rim and your defense is a step slow to rotate. And so again, like it's a, I don't think anybody can do it other than Anthony Davis. I, I think he's uniquely equipped. But like that was a, a kind of an interesting example of a very dangerous coverage for the Lakers working because of Anthony Davis's greatness. Um, I thought, you know, here's the bottom line. Anthony Davis, I thought, like, because that was a, a really rough start to that game. I think the Lakers gave up 40 points in their first 16 minutes of the game. Um, and they were really struggling out on the perimeter. They were getting picked apart. And then they... Uh, turned up the intensity, and they only allowed 28 points 
over the following 20 minutes. And that was kind of where the game turned there in the end of the second quarter and over the course of the third quarter. That is what Anthony Davis is capable of. I, I tweeted out a link of uh, or a GIF of uh, Spider-Man and, and him standing in front of the train and the train's going full speed and he's just digging his feet into the rivets and he holds up the train. That's what it reminded me of. That was a runaway freight train Golden State offense that was continuing the rhythm that they had from game one. At one point, or game two, at one point, Stephen Clay had made 15 of their last 23 threes. That's 65%. Do you understand how insane that is? This Warriors offense was clicking at some of the highest level that they have in this particular season, and Anthony Davis stopped it somehow. It's just an unbelievable defensive performance. The bottom line is, is he's going to have to do that two more times at a minimum to win this series. And like we saw in game one and then game two, we're going to find out in game four whether or not Anthony Davis is capable of revving up his engine enough to do that in back-to-back games. Because again, if you lose that game and you go back to Golden State 2-2, I think Golden State wins the series at that point. I think this game is the game the Lakers have to win. They have to win game four. Game five is going to be a tough one. Then you can close out the series in game six. So shout out to Anthony Davis. Uh, this is two out of the three games in the series where I thought he was the best player in the on the floor. That's very, very uh, – uh, that's the swing factor of the series right there. Uh, shout out to LeBron. His engagement level is so important to this team defensively. There was a – I thought LeBron had one of his worst games of the postseason through two and a half quarters. And then – there was a bad sequence. Lakers are up, I think, 17. And LeBron is just kind of messing around on a defensive rebound. And Andrew Wiggins is crashing in. And instead of boxing out Andrew Wiggins, he just stands there. And Andrew Wiggins comes over the top and tips the ball out. It goes right to Steph Curry. Steph Curry makes a three. Now it's a 14-point game. Uh, then the next possession, uh, I think it was the next possession, but LeBron ends up getting a defensive rebound in his hands and he just fumbles it out of bounds. And in the ensuing sequence, Anthony Davis gets another block, but the loose ball just kind of lands at Kevon Looney's feet under the rim. Kevon Looney lays it up. You call a timeout. You're only, you're only up 12. And I remember sitting there thinking like, man, like they need to get something out of LeBron James. These leads are not safe. And from the from that timeout, from when the Warriors got it to 12 to the end of the third quarter, LeBron James was a freaking freight train on both ends of the floor, attacking the basket on offense, getting out in transition, and flying around on defense, both on the glass and blocking shots. He had a beautiful block of of uh, of Jordan Poole on a baseline cut. He had a uh, offensive rebound put back on a on a D'Angelo Russell pull up three in transition. Just big play, a uh, big uh, big stretch there from LeBron to help put that game away. Um, let's talk about the officiating for a second. So here's the thing, um, Warriors fans, I am certain that you feel like you probably got the short end of the stick in officiating in this game. And I would argue in the spectrum of the way officiating is going to go over the course of the series, there's no question that was a great whistle for the Lakers. But here's the thing. What happened in game two? In game two, didn't the Lakers go the entire first half without shooting a free throw or something crazy like that? Like the Warriors were able to be super physically aggressive in game two, fouled a lot, got away with it. They got a much better whistle in game two. That's going to happen. And guess what? I promise you guys, because I follow like 100 Laker fans on Twitter, they all felt the exact same way that you guys felt tonight. The way you felt tonight, that's the way Lakers uh, Lakers uh, fans felt in game two. You will notice, I did not talk about officiating in game two. 
because to me, that's just a natural ebb and flow of the series. I feel like we've all watched enough NBA playoff series over the, over the years to know that the whistle oscillates back and forth. And no, it's not the refs trying to swing things one way or another. I think it comes down to two factors, okay? First of all, like we talked about in one of the earlier shows today, I believe it was, um, I think it was when we were talking Heat, Knicks, I can't remember, but the team that plays with force gets the whistle. End of story. If you play super physically aggressive on both ends of the floor, you get the whistle. The Warriors were the more aggressive team in game two. They got the whistle. The Lakers were the more aggressive team in game three. They got the whistle. That's how it works. And then there's like a little bit of like a home court thing where refs always get a little swept up in the emotion of the arena. That's human nature, right? So to me, like, and the Warriors know that, by the way. And I'm, and I'm not going to be overly critical of the Warriors because the Lakers also lost their cool with the refs in game two. They, LeBron and AD were talking to the refs. Act, like You could tell they were both voicing their opinion to the refs that they, that they thought the game um, was clearly being uh, favorably officiated for the Warriors. All game long today, the Warriors were doing the same thing to the refs. And like honestly, I thought the Warriors let it get into their heads a little bit. Um, and like the thing, too, is like a lot of them, they're fouls. Like, Draymond's fifth foul, didn't like the call. Uh, Anthony Davis ripped through to his left. Draymond slid, took the contact in his chest, and fell over. To me, that's a no call, right? Um, you know, because, like, you're not, maybe you don't reward Draymond for falling, but you don't reward Anthony Davis for running him over, right? That was a bad call. Here's the thing. You're going to get bad calls. There's going to be six or seven bad calls in every single game. The two before that, the two plays where Draymond Green fell over, he was out of position, both of them were roll man possessions, or one of them was a roll man possession, the other was a rip through. On the roll man possession, LeBron, uh, uh, Draymond was just a step slow, and he hopped in front of Anthony Davis and fell over. You can't, you have to be there. You can't, like, Anthony Davis can't already be coming and you be a step slow and then get in front of him and fall over. You're going to get that call every single time. They went to the, the, the booth and reviewed it, and they upheld the call. The other one where uh, Anthony Davis ripped through and he went towards the, uh, towards the middle, that was the one. I want to say that was the one where Anthony Davis landed on his, on his ribcage. Like, Draymond was out of position. He, he got beat to the right, and instead of sliding and being super physical where he might have gotten away with it, he tried to fall down, and he didn't get the call. And one of the hard things that happens is when you, when you fall, you put the onus on the official to blow the whistle. And, and that's the thing. Whereas if you just play physical NBA playoff defense – there's a chance that they just end up holding that whistle, right? And there's, like, Clay Thompson was getting, uh, like, I'm sorry, but every single level of basketball, if you're standing in a triple threat and you have your arm on the dude's left arm and he rips through to the left, it's an automatic foul. And, yeah, they don't send you to the foul line anymore unless you're in the penalty, but they call that every single time. So guess what? When you're guarding Austin Reeves, you can't put your arm out on him. You have to put your arm in the shooting pocket, right? The, uh, the play where Austin Reeves took that little turnaround fadeaway and Clay ran into him. Make Austin Reeves make a turnaround fadeaway. Make him make it. If I'm a Warriors fan, I love that Austin Reeves is taking turnaround fadeaways. Klay Thompson, on the pump fake, entered his airspace. It's a foul. Now, yeah, some nights it won't get called. There will be games in the series, like game two, where that doesn't get called. But there are also going to be more games in the series. Don't be surprised if game six in LA, if you see the, the Lakers get a similar whistle. Because they're going to play desperate and with a ton of force, and they're going to get a lot of calls. So part of it is just, again, we talked about this in game one. 
you're going to see a free throw disparity in almost every game of this series. Why? The Lakers are the best free throw shooting, uh, free throw generating team in the league, and they're one of the very best teams at not fouling, and the Warriors suck at both. So guess what? There's going to be a free throw disparity. Some nights worse than others. You got to keep your cool. You got to play through it. They picked up a lot of techs. They started to get into it with the officials instead of saying focus on the game. I think that's a big area for improvement in game four is just letting the officials and also just play with more force. If you are the team that plays with more force, you will get a better whistle. Like uh, like those flops, I genuinely believe if if Draymond just holds his ground and literally fouls Anthony Davis, like hits him and pushes him, it, it probably won't get called because they're letting everything go around the rim, right? It's when you start falling down and bodies start hitting the floor that it starts to get a little bit more convoluted. Um, shout out to the Laker guards. I thought they all played better. D'Angelo Russell was amazing in that first quarter. Austin Reeves, much better defensive performance in this game. I think it helped to put him on Steph Curry because Clay Thompson had such a huge strength advantage on him. And then Dennis Schroeder, I thought, had a, a really good offensive third quarter during that run um, and played some good ball pressure defense on Steph Curry as well. So a couple of adjustments that I expect moving forward. Uh, for the Warriors, and you kind of saw this where when Steph, when Steph identified that Anthony Davis was bothering those sequences in the hedge with his hands, you might have noticed that Steph kind of stopped going to ball screens with Anthony Davis, and he just started to hunt isolations. And that, I think, is going to be a really, really interesting counter for Steph, is to start matchup hunting away from Anthony Davis. So call for guard-to-guard screens to pick on, try to get someone that you think you can get past, someone like D'Angelo Russell or Austin Reeves on you. If Austin's guarding you full court, space the floor, just attack Austin. Like, Austin can't guard you. You're Steph Curry. Like, just don't worry about bringing Anthony Davis up into the screen. Go cook Austin. Go uh, attack D'Angelo Russell. If Rui Hachimura is on the floor, get a guard-to-guard screen to get Rui Hachimura switched onto him. They, they even had some success in, like, hedging recovery situations, getting some good looks for guys like Dante DiVincenzo just by running a guard-to-guard screen and drawing multiple defenders. So... I think that's the next counter for the Warriors is straight ISO for Steph against Austin Reeves when he's guarding him and then start to hunt individual Laker defenders in guard-to-guard screens. Next, stay out of foul trouble. Like, just be be quicker with your reactions, stay in position, play with more force, you'll get a better whistle. And if you do so, then Draymond Green can stay on the floor for longer and have a bigger impact on the game. Um... And then the other thing I'd like to see, the last thing for the on the Warriors front, I want to see Andrew Wiggins be uh, look to be more aggressive as a scorer. LeBron James really struggles with his foot speed on the perimeter, and he, he beat him off the dribble a bunch tonight, hit some jumpers in his face. Um, that's another guy, too, that you can run some guard-to-guard screens. LeBron is kind of notorious for switching screens with no effort, right? So call Austin Reed, call run, have, have Wiggins run a ball screen with Steph setting it. And then you'll probably get switched with Wiggins onto Austin Reeves. And then Wiggins can go to work on Austin Reeves. Like, you're going to be able to find good matchups there. And I think I think the Warriors need to start hunting opportunities where Anthony Davis is just on the back line. And then from there, you can drive and kick them a couple times and hopefully pull Anthony Davis away from the paint. But if Anthony Davis is going to be that good defensively on those hedges, I'm just not sure they're going to be able uh, to score. Uh, on the Lakers' front... I like the hedge and recover as long as Anthony Davis plays that active. If he doesn't, it could be a problem. So again, that coverage is super dangerous. It requires otherworldly effort from Anthony Davis. I'd like to see LeBron James in the post more. They did it a little bit tonight, more than they have in previous games in the series, but I think they can uh, go there even more. Maintain defensive effort. Biggest weakness for this team. Would not be surprised if the Warriors kind of 
got up to an early lead and kind of stiff-armed the Lakers throughout Game 4 because they have a tendency to be inconsistent with their defensive effort and then keep playing with downhill force on offense to try to attack the Warriors' bigs and get them in foul trouble again, which obviously was a big pathway to their success tonight. Wow. What a series this has been so far. I know the blowouts can be a little boring sometimes, but you know, for you know, just uh, from a basketball chess match perspective, it's been super interesting, and it's been interesting to watch the up and down uh, nature of the play of the stars. All right, guys, that is all we have for today. I believe we're coming back tomorrow to do a chase three point segment. I'll probably just do a film study on three of the series, uh, but if not, we'll be back on Monday night. I think we're going every night basically for the next three weeks. So keep an eye on the. Uh, Twitter feed for show announcements and uh, uh, show links and things along those lines. I appreciate you guys, and I will see you tomorrow. The Volume. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at, at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge Podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.